1: It's hard to escape the influence my next guest has had on the literary world, and more specifically, young readers. Judy Blume and her books have been a rite of passage for kids and preteens for generations. The prolific author has written 29 books with more than 90 million copies sold, printed in more than 39 languages. Her stories are touchstones for kids and adolescents eager to be seen and understood. She's responsible for bestsellers like Tales of a Fourth-Grade Nothing, and Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which recently became a Hollywood movie more than 40 years after she wrote the book. Bloom's love of literature started early. Growing up in New Jersey, she spent her childhood making up stories in her head. Luckily for us, she spent her adult years doing the same, but bringing those stories to life. She started writing picture books for her two young children, a labor of love, and a creative escape for the New Jersey housewife. Bloom went on to write novels for adults, too, and recently celebrated the 25th anniversary of Summer Sisters, which just happens to be one of my favorite books, and a recent Read with Jenna book club pick. Now at 85, Bloom turned the page to her most recent chapter, opening her very own independent bookstore in Key West, Books and Books, with her beloved husband, George. And while the walls are lined with literary legends, you can also find one working behind the counters and helping customers, Bloom herself. I recently visited Bloom at Books and Books to talk about her love of reading, her connection to her fans, and how she wants to be remembered. I'm Jenna Bush Hager. Welcome to my podcast, Read with Jenna. So we're here in Key West, and I know that you have a great love for this city, and it happened kind of by
2: accident. I think it happens like that with most people who, you know, you come on a vacation. I came for a month, actually, to finish a book. Oh, you did? I didn't know that. we came here for a month because I was trying to finish Summer Sisters, and it was winter in New York, and it's like, I need to be someplace warm. So... Here we were, and that was good. I always like to go away to finish a book. You yeah. know, just put yourself someplace else and forget all your troubles. Yeah,
1: yes. And also, I kind of love that Summer Sisters, which is one of the best summer reads of all time. If you go to any buddy's house, you'll find it on their bookshelf. Was finished in Key West. It seems
2: perfect. It was. I don't know <laughs> if it was totally. Fi- I think it was a draft yes. that I was finishing.
1: What is it about Key West that you and your husband love?
2: I think we just fell in love with it. We fell in love with, of course, everybody will tell you the weather, but yes, it was winter and it was wonderful, but it was really the people for us. It was the energy. It was, you know, it's not a place where people come to retire Mm -hmm. and just retire. I mean, people come here to retire and then they start something new. And it's, I mean, you get, very active and interesting people. Mm -hmm. And we met a lot of them because the guy who owned the house that we rented took us in and knew everybody. He was Mr. Key West and introduced us to everybody. We never wanted to leave. (laughs) And after our month was up, in fact, We didn't want to leave, and he put us in another one of the houses that he owned. I love that you said it isn't a place where people come
1: to retire. And in fact, you came here and opened a bookstore, which was not something
2: you'd always dreamed of doing. Never, never thought of it. Well, the first thing is my husband did a movie theater here (laughs) in town. And then, you know, when we came here, there were many bookstores, maybe five. And suddenly, we were down to one kind of you know, old books and remainder books, and we needed, Mm -hmm. we wanted a full-scale bookstore again, and we tried to get other people to do it, (laughs) but it turned out to be, if you want it, you know, you have to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. So, we are very lucky. We're seven years old now, the bookstore. It's my baby.
1: I know that you love to come here and see what people are reading straight in the titles. Do you feel like this is one of the happiest places for you?
2: This is my happy place. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm here, it's like all troubles fade away. I'm here. I'm concentrating. I'm in the stacks. I'm climbing up. People say I shouldn't be climbing anymore, (laughs) but I still (laughs) climb up and do it. I like to make it look beautiful. Mm -hmm.
1: I can't help but think it's so appropriate that, you know, my biggest literary icon lives in one of the most literary cities in the world. You know, I mean, it is, it is and
2: it has such a history. I don't know if you've seen the Pantheon up, uh, you see the oh, names Oh, yeah, all up the there? names. Those are all writers who lived and worked in Key West. But what we did, George, my husband, actually did it. What we did was so that no writer could come in and say, well, where's my book? And the criteria is to be on that wall, you can no longer be living. So you want your name up there? (laughs) Oh, well, <laughs> <Under S>. Thompson,
1: <laughs> Ernest Aminway, yeah, you have to
2: already be gone. But how you wonderful it is. Mm-hmm. I said to George, please save a
1: place for me. Mm-hmm. I know. I was going to ask, where's your name? But not well, quite not up yet. there yet. Not yet. <laughs> not up there yet. Let's go back to when you were a little girl. I read that you would make up stories in your head that kind of answered the secrets you thought adults were keeping from you. What were those secrets?
2: Family secrets, yeah. you know, all kinds of things that children weren't supposed to know, mm-hmm. to think about. I remember secrets about the war, mm-hmm. the Second World War, because I was little when it ended. I think I was maybe seven. Mm-hmm. And um, secrets, they, that you know, it was the kind of thing where, when you were a kid and you walked into the room, all the adults stopped talking. Yeah. So, and drama. I like drama. I was a drama queen. <laughs> I like drama. And so when I bounce that ball against the side of my house, making up stories inside my head... They were very dramatic stories.
1: (laughs) Actually, when I was little, I would play Barbie so much that my mom thought, why would she just go in there for hours? Because, of course. Yes, because I was making up stories. Of course, I did that with my paper dolls.
2: Oh, yes.
1: Oh, yes. And they were always kind of racy, my stories. Oh, (laughs)
2: yes. I I liked to also, I had a game. I like to play surgeon with my paper dolls. (laughs) And, you know, I did terrible things to them. (laughs) with the scissors. <laughs> <laughs> but then I could fix them. Mm-hmm. I could be the surgeon. I could put them back together with scotch tape. And they were eternally grateful. <laughs> I should have gone to medical school. Do you really <laughs> no, please.
1: You shouldn't have. You did exactly what you were supposed to. Your mom was the one that showed you the love, your love of reading.
2: She loved to read. My mother loved to read. She never talked to me about anything. But she loved books. Nothing was off limits. My mother was a worrier, anxious mm-hmm. about everything, but never about what we were reading. Reading was a good thing always. My father was a reader, too. Yeah. And a lot of the books in in our family bookshelves, you know, came from him. from him. Wow. Those yeah. must be precious. Yeah. I have very few, but I have some.
1: So that must have been her way of talking with you. Do you feel that way?
2: Yes, and I think that books you know, can be wonderful, a wonderful way to communicate with your kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, my daughter didn't like to talk. She didn't want to talk about things, but through books, we were able, and we still, every Sunday when we talk on the phone, we talk about what are you reading this week? What have you ordered this week? Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I'm reading, <laughs> and that's great. And it's a great connector. It is.
1: And then your dad was more of the nurturer, but you worried about him and, in fact, would talk to God about him.
2: Well, I did worry about him, yeah, because... um Nobody in his family, he was the baby of mm-hmm. seven siblings, mm-hmm. and nobody lived to be 60. But I didn't even know that when I was young. But what I did know was that there were three dentists, yeah. my father and his two brothers. And the two brothers died when they were 43. Wow. So that year that my father was turning 43, that was the Sally J. Friedman mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, I worried terribly. Yes, and I made bargains with God. Which I, was I, the
1: Margaret years.
2: Well, yes. <laughs> but I I really felt responsible for my father's well-being. I thought it was up to me, which is, you know, at mine.
1: Yeah, a lot to carry.
2: A lot to carry.
1: And you just adored him. I did.
2: And he died young, mm-hmm. you know. He died young
1: right before you were first married. Yes. Was that a really hard
2: time for you? I think it must have been looking back. It just must have been terrible. You know, today we would know. Go into therapy for a little while. Talk this out, you know. (laughs) Learn how you can grieve, how you can be there for your mother who is grieving Mm -hmm. and still start this new marriage and try to be happy. It was... A terrible time. He died suddenly. Yeah.
1: And then you were married, what, five weeks? Five weeks later. Later. And so do you feel like writing was, in some ways, this
2: incredible outlet? So cathartic. Yeah. I mean, it gave me a life. It gave me my own life, you know, aside from the wonderful part of it, which was having little children, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. It gave me something of my own, Mm -hmm. very special. It saved me, really, because it was so cathartic. Mm -hmm. You know, I think
1: people think, oh gosh, Judy Bloom, this icon, 90 million books sold. (laughs) But it was a slow, process to success. You started with picture books. I <laughs> did.
2: <laughs> Rhyming picture Which I book. actually found
1: to be kind of great. I feel like you should publish some of those. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> no, no. They're in a box, you know, in the with the note Archive. to my kids. <laughs> If you publish these, I will haunt <laughs> you. <laughs> but you started with picture books. And then how did you decide to get
1: into to books for
2: Very quickly, really. It was like, you know, I saw an advertisement in the NYU Journal. I had graduated from NYU, so I got the, you know, whatever they put out several times a year. And I saw an ad for a class in writing for kids mm-hmm. from I don't know picture books through tweens, mm-hmm. and I thought this is an omen because I had already started with the picture books. Yeah, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to do this. This was a, this was a big thing for me to do. That yes. you know, because it meant that my then husband had to be home mm-hmm. to take care of the children. That was a big mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Life was different then, you know. Mm-hmm. It was Judy takes care of the kids and I work and. Earn the living mm-hmm. to pay for it. Yes, but he did it, and I went to class once a week. Mm-hmm. It was an evening class from six to eight. It was so exciting mm-hmm. because I was in a classroom. Where it was very small, mm-hmm. maybe eight other people who shared this this love mm-hmm. of you know this this desire, this need to write, mm-hmm. and we had a very conservative old world teacher she wore a hat class and a suit oh my gosh but she was wonderful mm-hmm. and she was supportive I mean you would look at her uh, Lee Wyndham was her name and you would think Lee Wyndham is never going to be supportive of what Judy wants to write she was wonderful. Mm-hmm. She was just great. That class really started me on my way. I sold stories yeah. while I was in the class. Yes, Iggy's House. know, yeah. week by yes. week, chapter by chapter, and that was the first longer book. I said to myself, "What do you like to read?" Yes, you know what you like to read. You like to read novels. Yeah, but it never occurred to me not to write for kids then, because I was still a kid. Yeah, you know, I remembered everything, and I identified. Only with kids. Yeah. And that's so interesting. Do you still feel that way some? Yes. Internally, you feel you're 12 or 13. Well, I don't know about that <laughs> anymore, but I can put myself back there. But when a four year old walks into this bookstore, mm-hmm. we can look into each other's eyes and there's a connection. Mm-hmm. I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. And they feel it too. I think they do. They do. I think so. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I know that Are You There, God? was this incredible gift, well, to the world, but also to your career, to yourself. It
2: was, but I didn't know that. Yeah, You know, but it was the first time that I let go and that I just wrote spontaneously. Mm-hmm. I remember, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody who wrote or had ever written. And, and well, you weren't even surrounded with women that worked really at all. Nobody. Yeah. On my cul-de-sac yeah. in suburban New Jersey, the women's movement <laughs> came slowly mm-hmm. <laughs> to suburban New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, and my best friend lived in the city in New York. That was like, mm-hmm. I want to be there. I want to be there too. But I was on my cul-de-sac in suburban New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think I might have been the only woman who worked. That, You know, we didn't even call it Judy Works. What would your husband and kids say? Judy writes? Well, I mean, my husband thought it was cute. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that he ever read any of my books.
1: And is it true that women on your block said to you, "Well, when are you going to write a real
2: book? Oh, everybody said that to me. Yes. Yes. When are you going to write a real book, Judy? That was after I was publishing yeah. books for children. When are you going to write a real book? What do you say to that? Did you just shake your head? Shake your head. Yeah. Give them the finger. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to. These
1: are real books.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: Know? And you would hear from kids that they felt seen. They felt enough. They were told the truth to. The letters that I've read that kids wrote you are so so moving. I know. What
2: was that like hearing from these readers? Well, it was so unbelievable because I never dreamed of anything like that. And I remember the first letter that came. um, She was 12 (laughs) and she had had an accident. And um, it was just. You know, this wonderful letter, handwritten. And I thought, oh, and then they started to come. And like know, 2000 a month. There were a lot of them, yes. There were a lot of letters. I just got one the other day. You know, here's something that's happened. And I, I do have to say to people yeah. what I was able to do then yeah. in answering the children and what you see in the documentary mm-hmm. about the relationships that were formed through those letters. Sadly, sadly, I'm not able to do anything. I just can't. But I just did get a letter that I will have to respond to. Mm. Yes. Yes. But
1: during that time after you published Are You There, God? and the Fudge series and all of those Mm. that were so widely read, would you reply to every single letter?
2: Well, every letter got something. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it was what we called the very special letters that had to be. Because they were writing all of their dreams and hopes
1: and fears.
2: Yes. And I mean, some of them were so desperate. And there was a time when I had a wonderful secretary Mm -hmm. then, and we would actually try to find professional help for them, some of them. You know, here's a number that you can call. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was tough. It was very tough. For a couple of years there in the 80s, Mm -hmm. I couldn't write my own books. I couldn't work because I was just answering their letters. Wow. And so I had to learn to remove myself enough so that I could write again. Mm -hmm. And that took, you know, going to somebody for some help. How do I do this? They need me No. What you can do is be a supportive friend, but you can't save yeah. all of these children. Wow, that is a lot to, to carry. That, I know. It sort of
1: reminds me of you being a little girl thinking you should save your dad. Yeah. Well. Right. And, you know, it's so interesting because especially with Are You There, God, being made into a terrific film and with your documentary out, I would see all over people going to your events, women my age, women older, women younger, and everybody has a different response to why they loved your work so much. Can you pinpoint what it is about what you did that matters so much to people?
2: I bet you could better than I could. I mean, to me, it's after all these years, you know, I've been forced to think about it. What is it? It's, they identify so much. It's like, you don't know me, but you're writing about me.
1: Yes. I never
2: dreamed, never thought beyond, you know, I love doing this and maybe someday it will be published and maybe someday someone will read it. And now, 90 million bucks later. Oh, right. Well, it's it's wonderful. But, you you know, you
1: can't focus on that. Yeah. You... To me, it feels like it's the truth and hope, oh. which is kind of what all kids I love that. want, you know, and to be seen. That yeah. you told the truth and you gave
2: a little hope. I always try to end my books with hope. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful mm-hmm. thank you for that. No, of course. <laughs>
1: Coming up, Judy takes a look back at Summer Sisters and shares why she believes the book still resonates with readers 25 years after it was released. Stay with us.
0: Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.
1: It's hard to say my favorite because I think I had a favorite Judy Bloom from all of the times. But your adult book, Summer Sisters, I've long said it's one of my favorite books ever. And now I feel so fortunate because you are allowing us to re-release it 25 years I'm thrilled.
2: Years. <laughs> I'm thrilled. Yeah.
1: It, what, this book
2: still resonates so much with people. Oh, yeah. There's something timeless about it. Let me tell you that Summer Sisters was probably my most difficult writing experience mm-hmm. to get the book right because I didn't know what I wanted it to be in the beginning. And so I have boxes and boxes. It went through 20 drafts. I know, 20 print, drafts? 20 drafts, yes, Wow. to get it right. And it didn't get there until and with the help of a wonderful editor, until I let the men Mm -hmm. speak in the book. The women always got Mm -hmm. to speak their little, you know, Mm -hmm. comments about one another that move the story forward. And I mean mothers talking about children and friends talking Mm -hmm. about friends. And until I let the men come in and speak, the fathers, the brothers, the lovers, That's when it came together.
1: I know. That's so interesting to me. It is a book that holds up because it is about female friendship. It's about
2: class. It's definitely about class in America. Yeah. And that, you
1: know, is something that 25 years later is on the forefront of our conversations.
2: Yeah. And because it doesn't take place today, you know, and it even Mm -hmm. then... It didn't. It goes back in time. Mm-hmm. I think they're 12 years old in 1970. 70? Yeah, because yeah, they're singing Dancing Queen, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. And it takes them up until age 30, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you know that this is going to go on
1: Yeah. So it took you a long time to write. I know it was also, you had a rejection at one point and you ran into a writer here. Oh, Bob
2: Stone, (laughs) wonderful Robert Stone. I I didn't know him well. Remember, I had just come down to work on the book, but I met people and I went off on my bike. Yes, because an editor who had published me and knew that I was a really good rewriter. Yeah. I'm so much better as a rewriter than a writer, you know, than a first draft writer, mm-hmm. and that she didn't have that confidence in me just hurt terribly, mm-hmm. terribly. She did write a nice note when it was number one on the best list. <laughs> <laughs> um, so off I go on my bike, and I'm feeling very sorry for myself and teary, and there's Bob Stone coming back from the beach with a towel, you know, a very well-known writer, mm-hmm. and He said, hi, you know, how are you? And I got off my bike, and I just burst into tears. (laughs) And I said, I'm having a really, really hard time. Mm -hmm. And he patted my back, and he said, I'm having a terrible time, too. And he was writing, at that point, Damascus Gate, Mm -hmm. I think, which also became a bestseller. And so sometimes you just have to go through that. It's not easy, Mm -hmm. This thing. But
1: you keep right. at it. You keep at it. You don't give up. I mean, what had, What up. if you'd given up on Caitlin and Vicks? That would have been really no. bad for women like me. Well, no, <laughs> Thank you. No,
2: I wasn't going to give up on yeah. them, but I knew that I had to get it right. Yeah. And then I went into this thing when it was about to be published saying to George, my husband oh, this is going to be the end of a wonderful career. <laughs> this is the end. I know it. This book is going to be such a failure. And I don't I don't want to see what's going to happen. And George said, you want to go to Europe? Let's just go to Europe <laughs> and come back. I think Philip Roth used to yes. do that. Yeah. But I had this huge book tour that I had to go on. And so... And you just... And then it. But then it was a huge success. Yes, it was a huge success. And so it was sweeter because I really didn't expect the success, Mm -hmm. and so it's very sweet.
1: there's something about sharing a book and i know you own a you know indie bookstore so i know you know this feeling of sharing a book with somebody that's never read it like i can't wait for women young women wow. to read summer sisters because maybe they missed it when it came out the first mm. time does that give you
2: joy sharing not only your books but other book recommendations oh, yes. with people oh yes i love it i should have a list of you know, favorite books yes. and what, and I don't. I should do that. You're reminding Let's me. Let's do that. I should, I need to write it down. You should. Because instead I walk around and I say, oh, my God, I love that <laughs> book and I love that book and that book and that. Maybe you'd like that one. <laughs> or, you know, the books that I'm reading now, of course. Please, a Judy's book list, a summer reading list. Oh, that would be fun! It might take some
1: time, but you should do it. Yes. Do you have a favorite book of all time? When people ask me that, I always get no. But people Uh, do you have a favorite? I I have several, and Summer Sisters being among them, which is why when we knew it was the anniversary the publisher called and said you've always said this is one of your favorite books but summer sisters a secret history by donna tart is one the bluest eye by tony morrison i have several that's great a tree grows in brooklyn is another yes. one i love
2: but it's hard to pick just one i can never they say to me first they say to me what's your favorite of your books yes and i you know have a standard answer there it's like children you know, you can't pick a favorite. Someday it's that one, someday it's that one. But do you have a special affinity to Are You There, God? Well, of course I do. Yeah. You know, because it was the first that brought me my readers. That and Fudge yeah. kind of came out almost at the same time, I think. So... You know, They changed they, your life. They changed my life, totally.
1: I read somewhere, I think in the New Yorker, I read that you even plan to take Are You There, God, with you into the
2: next life. Oh, <laughs> because I want, you know, I want a little bench or a little stone or something. I've told my children this, that says, Are You There, God? It's me, Judy, oh. <laughs> with my ears, yes. How lovely is I'd that? Like, I'd like that. I should probably do it now. <laughs> well, I can get it right get it right, right. yeah do it that, that's what I mean. my daughter said mother mother you know you have to tell me how to do this I should just do it yeah I mean that's <laughs>
1: like opening the bookstore or writing a book just go ahead and do it go ahead and do it and we have to talk about book bans because um, your books are among a large list sadly of books that are being banned in your home state, in Florida. Oh. So when prob- you know that in 2023, some of your books and, and others are being banned. Well, yeah. right back in the 80s,
2: except it's worse. Mm-hmm. It was terrible in the 80s, and it affected me personally a lot in the 80s. I'm not so much banned. Yes, I think forever, mm-hmm. and maybe my—I Mar- don't know. If you want to ban a book, you will find a reason to ban a book. And there are a lot of people out there today who want to ban books. And it's much worse, much more dangerous and serious because it's coming from the government. Mm-hmm. It's like they're telling you what you can think, what children can't think. Mm-hmm. Remember that guy in Florida who wanted a law that children could not speak about menstruation? Mm-hmm. Like, lots of laws. How are you going to stop that? Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do to them? This is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy time. And scary crazy mm-hmm. time. Do you still have hope that will
1: come out of it?
2: I'm an optimist, you know, so I always have hope. But I think this is this is going to be really long mm-hmm. and difficult.
1: What would you say to parents who just want their kids to have access to books
2: about all different. Speak out. Speak out. Don't let them take away the books. I mean, that's the only way it's going to work. Don't stay silent. Mm -hmm. Speak up and let some of these organizations, National Coalition Against Censorship, Pan America is doing a fabulous Mm -hmm. job Mm -hmm. with anti-censorship, American Library Association, Mm -hmm. Freedom to Read Committee. I am going to speak to Mm -hmm. the ALA this summer because I just feel this is the time to give all the support you possibly can to librarians. Mm -hmm. It's mostly school librarians who are being hit right Mm -hmm. now, but I don't know that they're not going to come after the public library too. Mm -hmm. It's very bad. And don't give in. Mm -hmm. When some parent comes into school saying, I want this book out, don't give in, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. In the eighties, it was about getting your policies in place. Mm-hmm. Now policies should be in place, mm-hmm. but it's very, very rough. The thing about school librarians today are their jobs are threatened. Yeah, they can be fired. Yeah, that means they lose their job. They lose their pension. Mm-hmm. And also, librarians are trained to say,
1: oh, this book is perfect for your age. There is a buffer. There is somebody, an adult, who can help kids find what's appropriate to read at certain ages. And what they need. And what they need or are interested in.
2: Yes, yes. And you know, I always say, librarians have saved lives. This is so true. By handing the right book to the right child at the right time, they have saved lives And I know some of those lives they've saved. Mm.
1: It's so sweet. It makes me want to cry, but it's so true. (laughs) Coming up, Judy shares her own love story and what her next chapter holds after the break.
0: Justin and so good.
1: Can I just talk a little bit about your George and your love story? Oh, my George. Oh,
2: he won't like that. Is he here? <laughs> yes, I see him. <laughs> but you can ask me. Okay, I'll him. ask you.
1: I won't ask him. I know you You actually have said that he's magic. That he's that, my magic. Mm-hmm. What about him is so magical to you?
2: You know, it's like falling in love with Key West. Sometimes you just meet mm-hmm. a person... I mean, we could have been an arranged marriage. We did not know each other when he moved in because in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, in New Mexico, you know, this was okay. Let's try this. But, you know, after two dates, we didn't know each other. But you didn't want him to leave. I did not want him to leave. And he has not. (laughs) I liked him. (laughs) And that liking turned into real love Mm -hmm. if we thought we were in love Mm -hmm. at the moment you know that early Mm -hmm. exuberance and we weren't kids we were 40 you know we were 40 but yes and it's now it's well we've been together 43 years and you've had such an adventure of, of a life I think we have. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to somebody about you, and
1: they said it feels like she's lived a million lives, because you really
2: have. (laughs) I have. have. I have, yes.
1: And it's such an adventure, but I love that you have met your match.
2: My match.
1: Not everybody gets to.
2: No, I know, I know. Well, I've never been bored Mm. when George is around. I miss him when he's not there. I'm very attached. I always vowed as a for the minute that I was a single woman, yeah, I will never allow myself to get so attached that I don't know how to do this or I don't know that <laughs> about my own life. Having seen my mother yeah. become a widow so early mm-hmm. in life. She was in her fifties, mm-hmm. you know, when my father died. Also in his fifties. But then you met George. <laughs> uh, but Yeah, but, you know, that happened slowly. Yeah. That happens yeah. so slowly. But, yes, it is a wonder story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you
1: have said that your last book will be your last because there's too much living to
2: do. <laughs> well, you know, when I finished that, I really felt that was the book that I was meant to write. Mm-hmm. And... I finished it, it took five years, and that's it. I said, you know, 50 years is long enough to write. Mm -hmm. So I think people keep writing, and there's nothing wrong with that, because it's what they do. But I am lucky enough... To have found instantly this other thing to do. Yeah. So it's not like I'm home and, you know, depressed doing nothing. and yeah. doing nothing. Playing yeah. golf. Right. <laughs> Learning to cook. I would like to be a good cook. Do you cook? No. Huh? Do you? I My don't. kids cook and they're really good cooks. But were you a good cook? Never. No.
1: No. You know what? And I don't even really mind it, but maybe, maybe one day. I do cook. I'm just not that great. I yeah. make the same tacos again, Mom. You know, the
2: same thing over and George over George and I do pasta and vegetables. So that's what we do. But that's what I like. Yeah, so exactly. Okay. Exactly.
1: One of my all-time favorites, talk about a bucket list moment. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with the incredible Judy Bloom. Thank you for checking out this episode of Read with Jenna. You can find other episodes available wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please give Read with Jenna a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Make sure to tell your friends about us, and new episodes drop every Thursday. The fun doesn't stop here. Wanna join our Read with Jenna community of book lovers? Head to today.com slash Read with Jenna to find our monthly book list and to sign up for our newsletter. You can also find us on Instagram at ReadWithJenna. This episode of Read with Jenna is produced by Alexa Kosavecchia, Allison Calaguire, Emily Smolinski, and Abigail Russ. Our associate audio engineer is Juliana Masterilli. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Missy Dunlap-Parsons is our executive producer. And Libby Least is the executive vice president of Today and Lifestyle.